Hey, welcome back, guys. This is Rage Gear Studios. And it's just Ray this time, but I have an amazing guest. So we're going to go through this as, as usual, where we'll have the little quick intro and then get to it. So welcome to Rage Gear Studios, the podcast. And with us is Rhiannon Owens, an amazing artist we've met on the road as we've met many others, but definitely a standout. Hi, Ray. Hi, Ray. <laughs> how, how are you? I'm I'm good. Um, I'm I'm so good. Things actually are so good for me right now. Like I have zero complaints other than being hungry all the time. Elated, <laughs> elated. That's fantastic. Yeah. As long as and we've known each other some time, but I guess I've never delved. I've never interrogated you. So it's time. It's time for the twenty <laughs> questions. You don't I scare need to know. Me. <laughs> I need to know all the things. Like yeah. when did when did you start drawing? Oh my god! So the the legend goes um <laughs> like i <laughs> i mean it was it was a child thing i i grew up an only child so drawing was my way of staying out of trouble yeah. um i would finger paint with my my high chair i got, <laughs> i got suspended in kindergarten for drawing on the floor and it wasn't because i drew on the floor it was because when I went to the office and, and they were like, well, why were you drawing on the floor? I was like, bitch wouldn't give me no paper. I was five. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, like, even back I want to draw. So it's, it's been pretty much my whole life. My dad was an artist just as a hobby. So, the you know, my mom tells me, like, that's where I get my talent from. But it's just, it's always been a part of who I am. Yeah, once, it's just a thing you just I don't know. It's easy to say you're just born with it, but honestly, you kind of are. You that you have like the discipline, very young, to just like sit down and concentrate on this piece of paper for hours. Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, some of us have different gifts. Some of us, you know, get up and go ready to kick a ball around. But I just like give me some pencils, give me some crayons, give me some something pretty to do. Yes, exactly. Uh, it was also like I don't know, because it was a little isolating. It made me. A little shy because I was always easily lost in my own little world. Yeah. So if that's also, if that's you too. Well, yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a social introvert. Like I can, I used to be an entertainer. I can, I can be just as comfortable in front of a group of people as as I can be by myself. You know, isolated in my room or whatever. Um, but like in social settings, especially if if I where I didn't want to be that losing myself in my artwork that was my escapism you know yes um and and in some in some ways it was addictive because it was a convenient way for me to disconnect without looking like i was being rude or you know purposefully um obtuse or, or you know like i don't want to be with you people so i'm going to read a book <clears throat> yeah and then they'll they'll look over your shoulder and i mean it's easy that way one thing is like as much as i've done it alone like when you go to these conventions and yeah. you're doing and you're drawing in front of, I don't know, in that atmosphere, it works anyway. Like you, you do feel like a little bit of forced socialization comes on and you, yeah. you put your game face on and you do that and you multitask, but it's still challenging. Well, you know, one of the the funny um, kind of like ironic things to it is I would I would do this art in a social setting to kind of isolate and escape but it always had the opposite effect like after a while people were like oh she's starting to draw let's go yeah. over her <laughs> and like 
Yes. Get all up in that bubble. What are you, what are you drawing? <laughs> Who is that for? Can I have it? Are you going to sign it so when you're famous, I can sell it and make money <laughs> off of it? Like, I don't like that character. I wish you would draw Wonder Woman. Why are you always drawing Storm? You're not even black. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's universal experiences. Yes. So who were your influences, would you say? Who would like the, the big, let's say you had to pick top three. Like, who were the ones that did it for you? Artistically. Top three comic artists? Yeah. Um, okay, so Arthur Adams, number one. Um, when I first started reading comics, uh, this was like the mid to late 80s. I'm 43. I'm old. Um, so classic X-Men was like in their double digits. Like they had just, I think they were like in the late teens, early 20s as far as issue numbers. Um, and Arthur Adams was doing all of the covers and then he would do like like inside pinups um, on, the, on yeah. the interior covers. So I was really attracted to his work. I loved the way he draw. He drew women. Um, they were always like just really gorgeous, and, and the level of detail and hatching and everything. Hyper detail, hyper detail. Yeah, he he was just like he was my art god when I was a kid. Um, I also uh, really loved Mark Silvestri. He was like yes. early on in his X Men run, um, and then. I mean, keep in mind, this this was like pre-90s. So this was before Jim Lee took over. And Jim Lee is one of my major like art heroes because I love his work for the same reasons I love Arthur Adams and some other artists. Um, but I went backwards and then started reading like the older issues. So John Byrne and Dave Cockrum. Um, Classic. Yeah, like I'm, I'm really old school. I love a lot of artists now and I love a lot of what they've done, like how art has changed with digital coloring and whatnot. But those guys, when I was a kid, that's what was like, I, I want to be them when I grow up. And I, I taught myself how to draw by copying their covers and panels out of comic books. Yes, yes. That's exactly that kind of how the process goes. I I started with uh, the Marvel Universe, just the catalogs. Yeah. Where you have the character, then you have their eye color, their height, and their history. And then that. Like, it's just very... So definitely started with like the pinups because of that, because that's where it all came from. Like, look at these characters, look at all their, even the DCs, they had them too. Like, yeah, the who's the who's who's who. Who. oh man, you remember the who's who? <laughs> I, I still have them. I have the entire first run. A lot of George Perez in that. There's so yes. much good stuff in there. Yes. And, and what was funny for me was knowing that DC was a separate company, like understanding that even, even as a young kid. But seeing the occasional Marvel artist do a pinup, like there was some Arthur, John Byrne. Um, I was like, oh, that's an X-Men artist. And he drew this DC character. Well, I hope he doesn't get fired. Like, <laughs> no. you know what I mean? Like, oh, you ran to the other yeah. side. You're in trouble. <laughs> I'm telling. Uh, <laughs> Arthur Adams was definitely, I think he hit a note for all a lot of us. That whole like X-Men annual with the X-Babies. Oh my God. Yeah. Talk enough about the X babies. Yeah. So he was doing classic X-Men. He was doing the covers and like the inside pinups. Um, and, but then he started doing like um, the, the annuals, like he did X-Men annual number nine where they went to Asgard. Yes. And, and then he was doing like, so he was doing like these really, you know, like longer issues instead of 28 pages, it was like 36 pages or whatever. Um, and man, some of his, imagine going back to that artwork and coloring it the way we digitally color. 
Oh my goodness, it would take so long. You you it get lost. Now they just flat it and call it a, it's all red. Next. Like I couldn't do right. that to him now. I feel like it'd be disrespecting him in a right. way. Like he put so much effort into this and I'm just gonna make it a box. Oh and, my goodness, yeah. Yeah. But I mean he's he's currently doing covers on a Spider-Man comic. Um and I follow him on Instagram. He does a lot of his like progressions. Like you can see his inking process, yes. you can see the blue lines. And it's, and he is so nice. I met him at San Diego Comic-Con in 2017, where I actually like went up to his table and I was like, I just want to say you're one of my big influences and I really appreciate your work. And he was so great about it. You know, sometimes you meet Aww. your girl and they're like, yeah, sure, kid, whatever. Eh. Um, but he was like, I really appreciate that. Like the older issues. And yeah, he's he's a really, really nice guy. So that makes so great better. to hear when they... When they are people, when they are nice, it's been yeah. Cause I haven't had the, a negative experience yet, but yeah. it's so far they've all been great. Yeah. And Silvestri, Silvestri was like, I feel like he was so fashion. He was fashion in the comics, and he didn't even know it. I, I don't think he did it intentionally. I don't know what what his thing was, but I can definitely see it in in like dress design. I can see his his style, his rendering on there. His like his females especially were very sleek and slimline. Um, and, and he, the thing that I liked about him was, you know, not to say that he didn't have a level of detail like Adams, you know, Adams has, cause he does, Yes. but it, it, like his women all looked very like modern. Like they were now like they, like they, it looked like Naomi Campbell with those cheekbones <laughs> and, you know, those, those long limbs and they were all like standing on their tiptoes. So, you know, they were like, yes, model pose, model. Yes. Queen. <laughs> Um, yeah and and i don't know like everybody was super skinny and <laughs> you know i think one of the one of the things that that really struck me was like there was this panel of storm i think it was like one of the issues that the brood was in and she was like you know there was like this dark moment so the way he drew her like so chiseled and it kind of looked like she was you know like pursing her lips a little bit and she it was like lit from overhead the way it was inked and colored she looked so almost almost evil um because this was when they were like really you know solidifying her as not just a pretty goddess character like she was a strong leader she was a strong black woman and yeah, they give her a mohawk yeah the way the way he drew her a lot of times where she just you know was very chiseled and strong and structured but also still very feminine and sleek kind of even those minor details as a kid like really kind of stuck with me growing up it definitely brought it made it modern he died he added such a fashion twist to it all like the way yeah even that issue where the girls are at the mall shopping and getting makeovers they find you yeah. like that whole yeah the storm with the strippers like the, he's like he did a lot of fun he told a lot of fun stories and he's a great draftsman i think like he can tell a story well yeah absolutely and cockerman those guys like that's just that's just classic that's like those costumes don't go away look at nightcrawler you know right I feel about Cockrum the way a lot of our Jack Kirby, you know, because Jack Kirby was instrumental in not only designing and, and creating a lot of the first major Marvel heroes, but, you know, he also had a distinct style. I mean, can we talk about the headdresses and the mechanical gear? Some <laughs> of the people, right. Yeah. But Cockrum, like, like you said, you know, Nightcrawler's costume never really has deviated from its original design. It, it sticks. And, 
you know, 40, 50 years later, Storm still goes back to that iconic headdress or the, that red ruby jewel that she the wears cape. sometimes. Always yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I love the X-Men. They're my favorite. So I have a reverence for Cockrum like people have for Kirby for the, the niche that he carved out for himself in all of the creating that he did early in his career. For real. The X-Men, it's just so easy for anyone who feels like they're part of any marginalization to yes. identify with them. It's just, it, it doesn't, it sticks. Like for me, it was Rogue. Like I don't, we mentioned it in like every episode, but yeah. Rogue, like when she came in, they didn't like her. <laughs> she yeah. had to, they, they could stand her. And I was like, no, don't, don't be mean to her. Like, I, I feel like I had to stand up for her. It's like right then oh. and there, like, it's my, don't hurt my girl. Right. So like if you go into, um, you know, like her backstory, because she was she was originally attached to Mystique. You know, she appeared in Avengers Annual 10 where she, you know, semi permanently absorbed uh, Carol Danvers powers and psych and, and all of that. But if you if you look at the complexity of that backstory of hers, that origin, she was being manipulated and misled. And when she realized that things got out of control, she had the wherewithal to like go ask for help. And she was asking people who hated her yeah. for help. You know, that really speaks to her, her humanity, like her actual like personality, not as a mutant or a woman. Like, okay, I did a bad, I need to fix it. These are the only people I can think of who might even begin to help me with this issue. Um, and, and I personally hated it when they gave her control of her ability i thought i thought i thought for years that that nuance to her power you know she people it's uncontrollable i think that really gave her an edge and i think it really spoke to you know some of some of the things about being a mutant like there are just some things we can't control this is who we are these are the cards we've been dealt we have to make the best of it or find a way to to, to make it work for us and then I kind of feel like it deflated her a little bit when it was like, okay, no, now you can, tr you can control. It was, know. that, that goes back to most recent Kelly Thompson who did that. And that was how it goes back to fear and how fear can paralyze you and you can be your own worst enemy. So it just, it took that narrative instead. Like it went to, uh, the story became like those moments, those moments in your life when you were most afraid, that's when everything went most wrong. Yeah. And that's. So I, I can absolutely identify with that. Like there's there's parts of, yes, they've changed it so that now she can. But because of how Kelly told that story, I was like, yeah, I can, I can totally relate. I can see that because you do, it does keep you back. It does hold you back. And it, uh, I, I just thought it was really well done. It wasn't some like, I don't know. They handled it very well as far as I was concerned. It, it was smart and it wasn't a lazy way to tell that story. Cool. I'm actually a really bad fan collector, whatever you want to call it, because I have not read a comic in probably. <laughs> let me get, don't let me get you started, especially when it comes to Rogue. But that's that Mr. and Mrs. X series. Really, Kelly knows <laughs> she knows the shit. Like she, those two okay. characters, she knows them inside out, and highly recommended. I will. I will definitely have to do it. I mean, I I will always love the medium, whether I'm actively collecting or I'm just a passive fan. Um, because I, I owe my art career to it. And I, I mean, I kind of live in that world now being a professional illustrator, but it, 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 it ebbs and flows, you know, it's like, there's this really great period where all the stories like resonate and the artwork is amazing. And then it kind of like, 
it kind of hits its stride and then it kind of feels like it gets lazy or predictable and you just kind of lose interest. But then, you know, here's this, here's this other reboot or here's this other arc that's like, oh no, you got to read this. This is really great. So, you know. There's definitely been a lot of really good new stuff. But in terms of like your art, like back to you, because this we can totally talk about the X-Men forever, but I want to talk about Reed now. Okay. okay. <laughs> but your mediums, like I know you do a lot of color pencil work and that requires so much patience. How do you yeah. deal? I, um, well, I only do colored pencil years ago and I don't even have photos or scans of this stuff because it, we're talking like mid nineties, early nineties. Um, I, I taught myself how to draw a lot of musculature and anatomy by looking at um, fantasy painters like Boris Vallejo and his wife, yeah. Bell. Um, and I also picked up a lot of color theory from them because, you know, they have books that are like techniques on underpainting and mixing colors and moving palettes around in an image. Um, colored pencils are a lot messier than people think they are because you get the shavings everywhere and they can smudge and they do <laughs> kind of rub up on your hand if you're not careful. So you got to wear like that half hand glove thing, but it still, you know, gets everywhere. Um I actually, in 2008, when I really started investing time and in going to conventions, was noticing everybody was walking around with these markers. And at the time, it was kind of like an industry standard. Like, a lot of artists at conventions had these Copic markers. And I was like, what are those? And the, the best way to describe them to anyone who's not familiar, which if you aren't by now, you're living under a rock or in <laughs> town population four. Um, it's like, he literally said, it's like drawing with watercolor in a marker because they blend so seamlessly and there's such a ridiculous amount of values and shades and palettes. Um, so I went and invested in some of those and I actually use those primarily and I, I still incorporate the colored pencil, but now the colored pencil is like for and finer detail and like highlighting. And maybe some color mixing, like if there's just not quite the right shade of green or whatever. Um, and also I use, um, I almost primarily use uh, Canson paper. I just really like the way the, the markers go down on it. Um, and some of their heavier paper has a bit of a tooth to it. So there's a little bit of a, like a surface um, texture. And when I, like, if, especially if I'm doing like a portrait or something where there's a lot of drapery or clothing, doing that colored pencil, pencil over the marker on that paper gives it a texture. It actually skin, you know, it's, it's not. It's beautiful. You do, yeah, you actually convey that hands down. It's just, it's, I see the color pencil, I see the texture, yeah. but there's such a richness to it because the Copic is really saturated. Like the colors are so bold. Thank and there's, like you said, there's so much and you really nailed it. Like the combination is flawless. It, it was a lot of trial and error and it was a lot of, oh, I'm at a convention and Copic has a booth. Let me go see what colors I don't have yet. And <laughs> pick, picking <laughs> one or two up every show I went to. And then, you know, oh, well, here's this, this new palette they're doing of these really pale values or these really, you know, like different skin tones. Um, I I probably could have burnt out professional artists because my friends will tell you back in the day when I was really diving into this head first, all I did everywhere I went, I would sit in at baseball games in the stadium with my friends, with my legs crossed in those uncomfortable stadium seats, oh. 
with my with like a book bag and things piled on my lap so i'd have a makeshift desk and i'd be drawing at a baseball game i wouldn't be watching the game i'm with my friends at a baseball game drawing. <laughs> because these were jobs or because this was just a passion it was just what i was doing at the time um it turned into it being i've got a project i have to work on so i'll go to the game but i'm gonna be drawing up in my seat again you know um i i, I remember specifically drawing a darth maul card for tops trading cards for star wars project at denny's at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> wow. the movie because I, I had a deadline and I was afraid I wasn't going to meet it. So I had to get this stuff done. I mean, everywhere I went, I had uh, a messenger bag full of Copic markers. I had my purse and then I had a backpack that had sketchbooks, pencils, and half the time blank trading cards I needed to draw for someone. That's devotion. That's amazing. And, and you know, it's so worth it because I do have trading cards of yours. And it was just, I don't, it was just jaw dropping. Like, I mean, the first time I saw you, you were at a show. I can't remember which convention we I think met. It was, it was definitely. Was it? Because I remember the hair. <laughs> you had the hair. It was, I think it was Megacon, and you, I think you bought my Colossus sketch card yeah. from me. Because um, you, you sent me a picture of it. It was like on a, yeah. like on a shelf with a, it's a, still a, little, at my desk. <laughs> a little Peter Rasputin display. Um, yeah, I remember that. And I remember meeting you, and I remember us keeping in touch. And then, I don't think I knew at that moment you were an artist. I, I was still pretty naive back then. And, and it was like, oh, you're an artist too? Like you're a collector and an artist? Like that's a thing? I'm, th I'm thinking you're just a casual fan of the show who happened to like my work. And you remembered me. That's amazing. Because I don't, it's really hard to remember people at the, at the shows. I, we meet so many people. And the, the attention span, like if I'm, if I meet you while I'm drawing, it's tricky for me to remember anything. But if I'm if my if all eyes are on you, then yes, I will absolutely remember. I think the thing for me is is you know as a kid I was an only child, um, and I I did isolate a lot as a kid because I was just I just wasn't interested in sports. I wasn't interested in being reckless and and you know going out like I could give a crap about them all. Um, so I just kind of developed this this hyper awareness of everything. Um, like when I did finally start being social and I came into my own and then, I mean, I'm a trans woman. So in my late teens, I was still in high school starting to transition. You know, I was hyper aware of everyone because I was either having to defend myself or having to get away from someone who was making me uncomfortable or, you know, oh, look, there's another snicker or. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I kind of created this hyper vigilance. Um, so later on when I'm going to these conventions, you know, I used to sit by myself, so I had to like keep my eyes busy. Even when I was drawing, I had to pay attention off with something sitting on my table. That um, is so, it's such an unfortunate fact, but I mean, you got this gift because of it. Like that's the silver lining. Now you have this like supernatural hyper awareness, but yeah. it came from a, having to protect yourself. And that's, it's yeah. heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking and I'm sorry. Like that's, that, I mean, that's just, it, but isn't it, isn't it, you know, kind of funny, you know, we're just talking about like, you know, people who have these abilities that they're just like, it's just who they are. Yeah. Um, and you can either let it be a blessing or a curse. It's just how you apply it to your life and, and you know, about yourself or not. Um, and God, you're such a hero already. Like, aw. just that, look at you now. <laughs> look at, look at you setting, set like breaking the mold. And uh, well, really... I, mean, I, I like to tell people I do that because I'm fat and there's just not one that I can fit in. <laughs> Stop. But I you know it's far beyond that. I love self-deprecating humor, so it's just part of my shtick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, it's just oh. everything. There's nothing about you that that should be contained. You're just like you're a force, and it's just it's 
it's you can feel it when you're around you like you're just such a great person to be with I have to tell you that you know earlier in in the the very beginning of the interview you were asking me how I was and I was telling you like I'm just so good like things are so good right now and you know you saying that I really appreciate it at the same time I suck at accepting compliments like my my immediate response is always to deflect or change the subject but I'm working really hard on saying thank you um lately like just the last couple of months I kind of I'm having this resurgence, this renaissance in my career. There's been a lot of good things happening. Um, I mean, even even you reaching out to do this interview um, and and be on this podcast. Um, you know, oh, really? we we've known each other for over ten years. It's insane, and, <laughs> right? Doesn't feel and, like and, it. And we've you know we've satellited and 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 you know we have a, a similar circle of friends here and there, but you know when someone when a, when a, when an artist can compliment another artist or lift them up or build them up and it's been happening a lot lately and i wish it would happen more i wish more artists looked out for each other and built each other up rather than eating for likes on instagram or you know retweet I feel, the same. I feel um, the absolute same because when you're in a when you're surrounded by creativity it's such yeah. a great feeling yeah and and you know it's like i don't care if you draw something better than i do i don't care if you have a job that i haven't been able to get yet like if if we're friendly i i want to be on your cheerleading squad like i want to you know get up and, and get you there and like yes queen do the thing or or whatever um so you know i just i'm, I'm really i really appreciate you today oh i feel the same way and i really <laughs> i appreciate you i feel like it doesn't we speak a language that not everyone does and you know like you recognize work you see you can yeah. read into things that other people who just maybe casually look at art yeah. can't because well, yeah. like what was it on twitter one day or was it instagram it was some social media platform. like someone had posted an image i think it was the gem holograms x-girls mashup you did uh -huh. um, and they were like you know look at this art this is awesome but they didn't credit you and your signature is visible at the bottom and that's that's the people that do keep the signatures in their posts and you know i tagged you and i'm like oh that's my friend ray you know this this yeah. is a pd did isn't it great and you came back and you're like i really appreciate that and I'm like, well, yeah, I want you to get your credit. I mean, if that's going to give you followers or get you a commission or have people like want to buy your prints or your work, like, yeah. hell yeah, I want we them gotta to look out for each other. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's so and many people looking to take advantage of our talent. So we we have to do that. It boosts their own numbers. It boosts, it boosts their algorithm, whatever. You know, if you have, a, for example, the, the sites or the accounts that dedicate themselves to one character that's very curated, like just the storm yeah. drawing. Yeah. People gravitate towards that and they'll post whatever and they don't care who you yeah. are. They just need content. They need content and they use you and you get nothing out of it. And yeah. that's not right. That's not right. I can't you put tell in the you work. How many times on social media I have just done a search for a hashtag for a character and I'm seeing my work everywhere. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't know they posted it. And and some of it's like old, like there was a Wonder Girl drawing I did like when I first started using red and gold Copic markers um, and somebody posted, I'm like, oh, that looks familiar. And then you own it. I'm like, no, I drew it. And they're like, oh, oh, I love your work. I'm so sorry. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you're only sorry because I called you out. <laughs> yeah. It, it mean, it really, DA was a great place for all that kind of initially, but then yes. like um, Tumblr and Twitter and Instagram came along and everything changed. Oh, yeah. 
Well, and now we've got NFTs everywhere. That's a whole other conversation we can oh, have. That's a, yeah, a whole nother world. Yeah. But I'm so, see, we understand each other. So to support each other should be effortless. But I understand people have like insecurities and they'll, I've dealt with all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's yeah. really sad and it really limits around and where you can spend your time because it feels toxic otherwise. But yeah, absolutely. Have when you have that, uh, that familiar it's a familial thing it's like you're one of my people you can just feel it and you, it's, it, yeah. it's great to have that with you i appreciate that i feel the same where do you uh so your your inspiration is it fashion is it music is it comics um, is it everything i think it's a little bit of everything um because i'm i'm a bit of a nostalgia freak so like i really love like i love storm's original design but i started reading comics when Storm did the Mohawk Punk look. So that's, it's always going to be my favorite, regardless of who hates it, who thinks it's ridiculous, yeah. who thinks it looks silly. Um, you know, I, I, I can sew. I, I've never used a pattern. I make my Oh my God, you can designs. sew? Yeah. Um, well, when I was an entertainer, I used to make costumes for myself because I was too, I was too broke to, you know, afford these Las Vegas rhinestone costumes that people, so I had to make my own stuff how to sew. So I was heavily interested in fashion. Um, you know, I love music, music videos, like what's trendy with now. Um, I don't, I don't buy into like, you know, only trends, but you know, there are some things like you just cannot, you cannot escape that there are certain songs that just slap so hard. It's like, you just, you instantly love them. So it's, it's yes. a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I have a genuine love for comics, even though some of it is nostalgic and it's, you know, tied to a certain period of time or look. I, I love clothes. I can make clothes. I love fashion, but I'm a bigger girl. So I'm very conscious about my shape and like what looks good on. So, you know, when I draw women, especially, um, you know, like Storm's original costume, it's basically a bathing suit with a poncho and high, yes. and thigh high boots, right? So how do you draw that and you draw her looking powerful and goddess-like without her looking like a pole dancer, you know? Oh, I, yes. It's all body language. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's facial expression. It's body language. She's doing with her hands. And then, you know, even even thinking about things like, like Spider-Man, right? <clears throat> he's got super strength, but he started as a teenager. So he's got this kind of like lithe runner's body, like a, like a young gymnast. So... Right, you wouldn't draw him like Colossus, like Colossus, you know, seven feet tall with giant biceps and giant pec muscles, you know. So, when I draw him, I try to draw him, I almost think of him like a dancer, you know, someone leaping through the air or whatever. Yeah, those are actually good references for him, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, how do you make him look strong and graceful without him, you know, looking too effeminate? Because make him a dancer, right? I'm a, I'm, I'm a dancer. Um, <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with male femininity or, or gender fluidity. No, not at all. It just makes you a better Spider-Man. It yeah, makes you a better exactly. Spider-Man. That's all. Yeah. It's like when I draw Harley Quinn. I try to draw her looking crazy or silly because to me, you know, she she was a tortured character. She was in a toxic relationship. So, you know, she deflected with humor. She tried to be, you know, funny and silly. And and I, I there's a pinup I did of her and um, Ivy and Catwoman where, you know, Catwoman and, and Ivy are in like the standard, you know, DC Comics babe poses with the hands in the hair and the hip kicked out and Harley's yes. behind them mocking them, making this really funny face. Um, 
Yeah, because you know what? Girls aren't allowed to be funny or goofy or make weird faces in drawing. It's like, right. It's like you have to be one thing or another. You can't be this well-rounded, fleshed out female who's a little bit funny, but also intelligent, but also powerful, but also a good fighter. It's, it's yeah. So my influence is I, I try to put a lot of thought into what I do and like, okay, well, what's that? what's this person's personality? You know, what costume do I like drawing them in? Um even, even detail like as a seamstress like where is that where is that zipper the seam for that uh, whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and that that takes it back to your arthur adams fixation because yes. talk about hyper he really yes. he drew every like every zipper stitch every yes. tooth every... yeah dude i hated him <laughs> when he would draw mohawk storm with that vest and it had the two side pockets and then it the the quilted collar with like the lines through it the strided lines i was like oh my god why does this have it's just leather why does it have to have so many seams in it <laughs> or his uh his asgardian storm which with is my all, favorite with all that pat all those little uh, squares all that like armor oh my god and then the fur on the boots and the feathers on the headgear and <laughs> like the textures like again it's it's texture and nuance it's so many things oh yeah he's really he's pretty amazing yeah. Go on. What was? Do you remember your first show? I do. I actually do remember my first show. Um, it was MegaCon 2007 in Orlando, and I was literally at the last table in the last row in the farthest corner of Artist oh Alley. Oh no! <laughs> and it was it was back when they did like you could you could buy half a table, so you would pay it back then. It was fifty bucks, and eight foot table so i had four feet of space it was the only thing that saved me that weekend was it was the farthest corner but it was where most of the people were going to use the restrooms like the farthest end of the convention something about being around the bathroom i get that a lot dude and as a trans woman with the bathroom (laughs) thing like god if people had known back then it would have been horrible Um, but there was a lot of foot traffic and I didn't have the Mohawk. I didn't have a trade show banner. No one knew who the hell I was. I was not working professionally. So my friend um, who worked at a comic store in Jacksonville, his name's Donnie Tracy. Um, he was like, you know, your art's really good, Ree. You should maybe look into getting a, a table at a convention. And so I talked to my other friends, nerd, as I called them. And they were like, yeah, I think you could do it. You know, just just get get a half table and then just you know it's just extra money just sell some stuff and you know you get to keep everything and i was like okay so then i panicked because i had nothing like i didn't i didn't draw professionally i didn't have like a portfolio of stuff to sell so i just started doodling like big pen sketches and i even did some acrylic paintings uh just because like i need stuff at my table i have nothing to sell well, the other person who was supposed to sit at the table with me never showed up. So I ended up having a full table my first show. Nice. And I just I mean, at $50, they can not show yeah. up. I just spread my stuff all over the table. And because people kept walking by to run to the bathroom, it's like, oh, that's a really great Wonder Woman. I got to pee. I'll be right back. And then they would come <laughs> back. And I, I actually, like, I actually broke a grand that, that my first show. And I was like, oh, my God, I can make over $1,000 doing this. I'm in. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It sold me. It's almost like they get you right in the beginning. Like just when it starts. Yeah, I totally I had nothing. And then yeah, the, the commissions and the requests and the commissions. I was like, yeah, okay. I can, yeah, I can do that. Sure. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I, I started with like just pen and ink. Like initially, that's how it went. And then the next time I brought something else and, you know, because then it, get, it seemed to get more involved. And then I went a little color, but it was just a gradual thing. But it yeah. is once you start, you just can't stop. <laughs> yeah. And it, it really, um, it actually literally almost killed me. Um, because then you create this momentum, which comes with an expectation, not just of your talent, but your time and your energy. And if you don't police that and you don't manage yourself wisely, you can burn out so fast. For me, um, I, I developed hypertension and anxiety where I wasn't sleeping and I would forget to eat sometimes. Um, and then I was like, why, why does my head always hurt? Why do I always have a headache? Oh, my shoulders are just sore because I've been drawing all day. I need to get up and stretch. No, dummy, you're going to have a heart attack if you're not careful. Like, oh, no. yeah, it was, oh, it was bad. Um, was it the stress? Was it all like just related to having to present and having to have these shows and having to have things ready? Yes, because I, uh, so a lot of things happened all at once, which was both a blessing and a curse. So real quickly, I'll give you the breakdown. So I did my first show in 2007. And then in 2008, I did Megacon again. Also, I was like, well, let me let me step out of my my backyard because I lived in Jackson all the time. Let me go somewhere else. So I went to as an attendee, just went to another show. I went to Heroes Con in North Carolina, and that's Adam Hughes, and that's where I met his his then girlfriend, now wife, Zone, and some other artists. I think Cat Stags was there, and they were all doing trading card art, which is what I do now professionally, and. While we were in the hotel room with my friend, uh, also from Jacksonville, Jason was was working on a card project, and he saw me doodling in my sketchbook. Well, what is that? What, what are you drawing? Let me see. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> he was like, oh my god, this is beautiful. Why don't you Why don't you do what I do? And I'm like, because I don't. I barely know you. What do you do? And that that little moment is what my my career was born because Jason then told me like okay do some do some samples send them to me I'll send them to my art director and then boom you know if they like you they'll hire you and then you're in I got hired on the first project and it was an X-Men project that's fantastic wow and it, I mean and these were trading cards so this is this is like a super small niche of a, a huge nerd world right and trading card artists, I mean, people don't even know that that's a thing. You say trading cards and they're like, oh, I love Pokemon. And I'm like, bite me, <laughs> not fucking Pokemon. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so then I get hired and then Marvel was the first property I worked on. Not Marvel Comics, but, you know, Marvel license. And then I got hired to do a Justice League project. And then later that year, I got to do Star Wars. My first three oh, projects, wow. Marvel, DC, Star Wars in Massive. that order. And it was like, and suddenly I was everywhere because my art director that hired me for the Marvel project used a couple of my images for the ads and the solicitations. So then everyone knew who I was literally overnight. I mean, it was a rags to riches story like that. So Brilliant. Then, like coincidentally, right around that time, my roommate at the time was like, I can't afford to live here. I'm moving back home. Bye. And disappeared. So I was living on my own for the first time, had just started my career and was scared to death I wasn't going to be able to pay my bills or eat. So I said yes to everything. Yes to this project. Uh -huh. Yes to this. And yes to this. Yes, I'll go to that show. Yes, let's do that convention. 
And it created an expectation that not only would I always be available and always do the work, but that I would always be able to produce whatever you you wanted. And I, I had no healthy boundaries. I did not say no and learn the hard way that you can't live that way. You only have so much energy. There's only so much time in a day. And I was burning out fast. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a huge reality check when I woke up on the bathroom floor with my forehead gashed open and I was like, How did it get oh, no. it was like, Oh, I passed out. I don't know. Maybe you should go to the doctor, dummy, and get that checked. <laughs> so I go to the doctor and they're like, Your blood pressure is one eighty two over hundred and eleven. And I was like, Is that bad? And they're like, Are you kidding me? You could die. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, no, that's <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was such a crazy time. But, but it is like necessity kind of like blinds you to the realities. It does. Yeah. I can understand. And and you have you have to be fair to yourself. It's listen, it's so great that we have this talent and we can do these things. And it's it's wonderful that people love our work and people love that we can produce these beautiful images. But a lot of times they forget that we're There's still a person people. there. There's right. A person like, like e- even your favorite superheroes, everyone has a limitation or a crutch or a weakness, you know, we may yeah. have the super ability to draw, but we still got to sleep. We still got to eat. It's, and it, especially now, like during this whole pandemic thing, like I really, I shut oh, down, like I couldn't do it. It was yeah. just, it, I was, there was so many things going on. That's like, these things are so much more important. Like you had the Black Lives Matter movement. You had like everything that's going on. I look at like Florida now with the trans kids and not, don't say gay and then being in Ukraine, like all those things they build, like I, I take uh-huh. them very to heart. Like I'm affected by all of that stuff. So it's right. hard for me to produce. Slow momentum. Like, you know, think about it. When COVID hit, it was just COVID. Then it was COVID and Black Lives Matter. Then yeah. it was COVID and Black Lives Matter and defund the police. And then, you know, every time, and, and then every, every, every issue that came up, every, everything that happened, there was an equal reaction to it. So then, you know, on social media, especially, you were seeing families tear into each other and and break ties. You were seeing friends and friendships because you're seeing the worst of people and you're in the midst of of this operation, which wasn't even self-imposed. Like we had to do it if we wanted to survive. And I mean, people are still dying. I feel like it's kind of staving off a bit, but it's still a thing. And to be a creative person, you know, you have to have the energy. People think, oh, that's easy. You just sit there and do nothing. Like, I'm glad no. you can do nothing. Here, take this pencil and do it better. No, Show no. It, has, it, has to, it comes from deep inside, like practice and dedication mm-hmm. and your emotional stability. Like, wherever you're at at the moment takes a toll. Like, you're yeah. really bad. And it's really like, just when you were getting into a groove, like this whole Ukraine thing happened. And I'm just like, oh uh-huh. my God, these people. And you, I take all that suffering. I, I take that every, I'm part of all those communities. I'm part of everybody who's affected. Like, I feel like I need to, what can I do? How can I help? And it's just like, it gets, you get in that mode and it's just like, it's just, you give, you make less of that part of yourself and you just start taking on these duties and responsibilities or, or just yeah. like movements and yeah. well, I, I, I mean, want all of them. I want to make it all right. How can I make it all right? I can fix it. Anybody that's been marginalized or discriminated against or anyone that's ever been ridiculed for whatever reason, even, yeah, I mean, you can even, even boil it down to something simple like boys with long hair. You know, if you know what it's like to feel attacked or bullied or back in a corner or made, you know, made fun of or diminished or dismissed or ridiculed for whatever reason, you know, there's, there's something about all this stuff that's been happening that resonates and it, it, 
even if you're not consciously thinking about it, those, those dog whistles go off and it's like, yeah. go up, you know, your shoulders tighten, you clench your jaw. Why do I have a headache all of a sudden? Oh, I've lost my appetite. Why can't I sleep? It's three o'clock in the morning. I should have passed out. By <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, same page. Like you, you really, you see it. Like I knew there was something about you. <laughs> you just felt like we're on the same length, same wavelength. It's and it was like having great hair and not looking our age. <laughs> <laughs> yes that <laughs> there's that <laughs> but i mean you know pros there's there's some some silver lining there <laughs> in terms of the conventions like is there has there ever been like a really amazing moment uh, there was your discovery but some some other story along where you kind of like wow like taken aback by how incredible that experience was or something that was like really bad have you had both um yes um, I will start bad because actually we, we kind of joked about this, um, before we started recording. Um, so I did Salt Lake city comic con in 2015 and I was sitting at a table. Um, I was an invited guest. Like they, they paid for my plane ticket out there, um, had a free table. So I'm like, okay, so like I'm a working professional, like this is really great, but it's kind of like, okay, this is not completely out of the ordinary, but Weird show because some of the attendees and some of the other artists were just like, did you really just say that out loud? Um, so like I, like I told you earlier, the woman who came to my table, cause she saw my hair and she was like, oh my God, your hair is amazing. And then she just kind of looks at me and she's like, is that your real hair? I don't know what it is. And, and I know women of color deal with this a lot. Um, but people just cannot let you look good or have a thing or, or be amazing in some way without trying to deconstruct it or tear it down. Right. You have yeah. to get to the origin of it because they just don't, that you can't have that. You, there has to be a reason. So her, her, her reasoning was, you know, well, that's not your real hair. Well, I don't care if it's my real hair. I look fucking amazing. Bite me. I didn't say that, but you know, that was her excuse to start a conversation. And then she was like, oh my God, you're an artist. You're a female artist. Like, it's so cool to see, you know, women at the convention doing nerdy stuff. Like, I feel so alone, blah, blah, blah. So then it's like, she tries to back, is that your real hair with the, oh, we're, we're the same person. Then she, she's like, no, I, I've got to get something from you. Are you taking commissions? And I was like, I am, I have a spot open, you know, and I pushed this paper forward. I'm like, here's my rates. And she scoffed and she goes, who are you again? Oh, and you know, the immediate knee-jerk reaction is, "I'm the bitch who has worked hard enough to be able to charge that for what I do." Thanks, and obviously you can't afford it. Instead of saying that, I was like, "I'm a professional illustrator. I have worked on these properties." You know, like there was a part of me that was like, "Don't even justify this. Don't talk to her." But then there was another part like, "No, you need to know who I am because screw you, lady." Well. Before I really ever get a word out edgewise, she's like, who are you again? The artist sitting next to me to my left at a table was like, yeah, we don't get it either. Like, like oh. I am this, this farcical, like being that should not be there. And for another artist to chime in and just dogpile onto, you know, a fellow artist, I was, I was more offended at that than I was at her ignorance because I was like, how dare you? you know, try to diminish who I am because you can't charge what I do or you don't do what I do. That that was probably the most negative experience at a convention I've ever had. 
you know, we, we get people who are like, oh yeah, you know, I really love your stuff, but um, I'm, I'm just walking around trying to see where I want to spend my money. I'll be back. And then you never see him again. Right. You know, some people legit forget. Some people are like, oh my God, that's so expensive, but I can't afford it. And I don't want to hurt their feelings and I don't want to or whatever. But this, this lady just kind of kickstarted this moment where this artist was like, yeah, let me crap all over you because. Because I've been holding it in all this time and I need to say that you charge too much. And that's, that's hurting everybody when they do that. Yeah, it, it was it was one of the moments that I really had to sit back and reflect on and go, how did that just happen? Um, so that was probably the worst thing. Um, I've had a lot of really, really great moments. Um, and and it's it's hard to pick one. Uh, yeah. So so maybe it is. I, I mean, it, they, it's what keeps you coming back. And there's just so many great people, too. Yeah, I think. I think some of my favorite instances are when mothers or, or young ladies will come to the table and they're like, it's really just inspirational to see another female, you know, another female artist in the industry doing, doing something because that's what I want to do. Um, I love it when LGBTQ people come to the table and they're like, yes, queen slay, you know, and they feel like this is a space where they can be themselves and where they, they don't feel so exercised or they don't feel so you know, um, what's sort of like awkward? Yeah. Uh, because you know, because we're a minority. We're all awkward. We're all yeah. Awkward. <laughs> um, we're at a convention. We're all awkward. Yeah, but then you know, I've also had some pretty great professional moments where I've had people come to my table who have met me for the first time, and they're like, "Oh my God, you're Rhiannon Owens. I love your card work. I have so many of your cards at home, and they've got like a binder with photos of my stuff." Oh. This card and I pulled this card out of a box and it's waiting to meet you. Like, you know, are you taking commissions? Like, can we take a picture together? Um, there's a family in Denver, as a matter of fact, the uh, Dominguez, Tiffany, and I can't remember her husband's name, but she boys every year would come to see me in Denver and every year they would commission me and her boys would bring me something that they drew for me, at, you know, leading That's up to the so show. There are amazing relationships that developed and and like you wouldn't know. Like yeah. people you think conventions and people don't they just don't understand like how a yeah. connection you might make as an artist with the audience. And it's just sometimes yeah you do fall in love with people. I absolutely well I mean like you you know you came to the table and I wasn't aware that you were an artist and it sparked a friendship and then here we are doing this interview together. Like <laughs> I wasn't know, gonna let you go. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, hold on to me. You kind of cute. I like that you got daddy. You know? So yeah, um, there are definitely more positive moments than negative, and the negative moments kind of just diminish in light of the positive ones. And I, I'm really grateful for that because, as a trans woman, as someone who has spoken, you know, being outspoken about being LGBT and you know being a trans woman in the industry or whatever. Um, you know, that puts a target on your back. You know, the more we're visible, the more we're easily especially seen. Because you aren't, especially because you aren't very visible. How, it's such a such a small group of people who can identify to that. And it's... Yeah. Yeah. And there's a movement in comics. I, I feel like it's kind of quieted down, but there for a while, you know, there was a movement against all this, you know, diversity and gender diversity and expression. And it was like, we just want our superheroes to like bust shit up and save the day. Like, why, why does it have to be this? Or yeah, why? why Exactly, uh, shoving it down our throats and the, the, the whole comic skate nonsense. So this is so much, yeah. don't, you know, people who don't want to see things grow and change. And I can understand how people can be afraid of change, but it's like, you know, th things, unfortunately, it happens. Like, you got to 
be you got to identify with the next generation coming up. You got to be able to tell stories that'll not only, you know, help out or, or be something that a 60 year old can read, but something that a 20 right. year old can read. Right. You got the companies who like they can't just serve one grown group. It just doesn't make sense financially. It just wouldn't. But they're I mean, loud. Even if you look at the like how characters are named, you know, back in the day, everything was like man, boy, lad, woman, girl, last, you know, no. these really what we would consider now like very cheesy names like Superman. Oh, why are you so super? Right. And now it's like all these clever names, these plays on words and these like, you know, specific things with like nuances to it. Um, like even even Storm. I love Storm, but it's just a. Or, yeah, like, you, you don't have to it. say storm woman, storm right. lady. <laughs> you know, but in the 90s, you know, when you had Gen 13, it was Rainmaker or, you know, something clever or, or more, more pizzazz or whatever. It's like, it's this constant evolution of, you know, taking something basic and expounding on it or, or making it more complex. And, you know, you can't have that without diversity. If there, if there were no diversity in comics, every woman would have super strength or could fly or was super fast, or had gadgets like Batman. And know. wore underwear. Right. That, and and they, they, they had their drawers on the outside. <laughs> yes. all, the, all the women would be in bathing suits, and all the guys would have their underwear on the outside of their tights. <laughs> with, with a belt. Oh, my to God. Try to like, yeah, exactly. We absolutely. I agree 100,000%. But yes. we're... Oh, it's so glad to have you back. It's so good to talk to you. Like, I just... I really hope to come, like run into you at one of these shows because there's so few that are popping up slowly. Yeah. You gotta, um, have you been to FlameCon yet? I have not. I have heard of it. And I would love to go. Um, yeah. We got to do it. You got to come to New York. We'll party up. We'll stay here. That. We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know who to contact. I don't, I've, I've just, I don't even know uh, when during the year it is. Like, I'm so we'll, out of We'll talk. Time. We'll talk. We'll, I'll okay. make it. We'll fix Cause, it. Because listen. I, I love doing panels. I like hosting panels. I mean, I've at this point, I've done it all. Um, and I, I enjoy every nuance and aspect of it. Because conventions are not just walking around throwing your money at people. You know? Like we've my, shown, there's connections to be made. There's absolutely. stories to be told. Um, well, you know, the, the first, when I, when I first met Allison Sohn and Kat Staggs, like, they were the it girls in sketch cards, which is what I do, the trading card art. And you know, if I hadn't met them, I probably wouldn't have been as interested because I was like, oh, okay, so this is a thing. And and Allison's work, you know, she she was someone who um, really encouraged me to invest in Copic markers and she uses them. And she has a very watercolor, like a very paint style to some of her work. It's not work. the typical hard black lines that you see in comic art. And she, you know, seeing her work and seeing her be well-received and successful really encouraged me to go, okay, I don't have to draw like everyone else. I can do my own thing. I don't have to outline everything on this, on this card or in this image. Like I can, you know. Yeah. You could suggest enough. Right. Do all these, these techniques that it's, it's identifiable as my work, but it's, it's different, you know, on its own, even if my signature wasn't on it. Uh, so, yeah, you, absolutely. You're like Sade. <laughs> you just know who it is. You just got to hear. You just got to see. You know it's you. You know the name attached. Yeah. So happy. So glad I got to talk to you. But we'll definitely hook you up with the FlameCon information. I would again, love, love, love that. Thank you for making the time. Oh, you're fantastic. I am... <laughs> will do it again soon. <laughs> I'm so thankful. I would love to come back and talk about God, I could talk all day. 
any yeah, number with you all the sure. time yeah. but what how, how do people find you tell give us your your addresses okay <clears throat> so i'm on facebook i have a separate page for my art it's rhiannon owens art i am on twitter and instagram um same name on both at rhiannon druitt d-r-e-w-i-t um i just kind of soft launched a, a website it's very basic but it's it's concise and I like it. And there's a lot of like story and backstory on some of it. It's rhiannondrewit.org. <clears throat> and um, I think that's, that's pretty much it. I tend to keep my, my personal Facebook page. Like I've, I've really worked when I talked about boundaries and stuff earlier to keep that separate. So I don't just accept blind requests, but my DMs are open on all my socials. You know, you can shoot me a message or, or talk to me about my process or you know do i have any advice or whatever i'm open to all of it for sure oh thank you that was perfect i can't yeah we got to have you back this this is like i'm, I'm still giddy oh i love it <laughs> all right thank girl you so have a great night thanks again for making the time you too thank you for having me all right. talk to you ray bye guys bye i made it back just for the comic. And wow, I must say, I really enjoyed listening to your interview with Rhiannon. It was, it was oh, Rhiannon um, amazing. She's, and it could have kept going. We could have kept going. We'll have to have a part two. Yes, now on to the comic segment. They were pretty short this week, right? Yeah, the first comic is Devil's Reign, X-Men number two. This follows the Emma, Kingpin, whatever dynamic they had going the on. Past. Yeah, well, because he's the mayor of New York now. Yeah. She got in the way of him kicking the X-Men out of the treehouse. So he's got to mess with her now. It's time for her to pay. So he pulled out some things from her past. She was the last person seen with this little girl, Isabel, that she saved after she witnessed Elektra killing somebody because at the time, that's what she did. And that's kinda, all over the yeah. newspapers now. Yeah. There's a, you know, white queen connected to a murder headline. Cold oh, they're still calling. I'm, I'm surprised they're still calling her the white queen. She's still going by that? I mean, they don't know what the arrangement got on to become council. She left the white queendom to the cuckoos. Like, people don't know. That's, like, internal information. But, yeah, that was the role she played for for a long So then, right here, we, we go through, like, a bunch of little, um, what do you call that, Ray? A li little adventures. She went on some little adventures because her, her lawyers were like, so, Emma, is there anything that else that the, maybe the kingpin got on you she's like well she's like, there's that one time. so they go they go down memory lane <laughs> there's one where she posted she's like that one dressed up a sue storm and got some knees and then a la, a la anna delvey <laughs> which if you guys need to watch inventing anna that was totally that <laughs> i was like no nah, no no don't no it's different she fish maybe she was just as manipulative but emma yeah cast a psychic projection and convinced the bank guy that she was Sue Storm. And mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, it's Fantastic Four. Here's all the money. <laughs> yeah. Then runs into Tony Stark at a bar. Does Inception on She-Hulk during a court case. <laughs> She's and... like, maybe you, should look, you know, let him go. Maybe he's the bad guy. <laughs> and and about She-Hulk, she, is she permanently She-Hulk? I guess in the past it was like that. 
she's gone back and forth just like they all have the colossus has, has done it hulk has done it there's like when they can't go back and she's you know when hulk died she went through some some trauma she became the hulk she became massive and muscular and, and now i think that they've reworked the character because this disney plus series is coming out so she needs to resemble what they what they're going to portray there like a sleeker figure who can was still a lawyer during the day who does go back and become jennifer physically and doesn't have to be green all the time okay so and that's where uh, she's at right now how is she related to bruce banner that's her cousin okay <laughs> he they're gave cousins her, yeah, yeah the cousins and he gave her blood transfusion that's the comic story we'll okay that, that, that's how i remember it but yeah you know we'll see what we'll see what disney plus does and then Emma crashes Nick Fury's bondage sex fest at a hotel. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> what? She's like, when the, when the red, white, and blue guy does his thing, look the other way. Okay, bye. <laughs> and <laughs> he's he's like, I'm still handcuffed to the bed. You can... She Emma doesn't care. Emma lives yep. at the Hellfire Club at that yeah. point. Like, she just... And also, honestly, I mean, being a telepath... what surprises you anymore like I, I guess everything wouldn't matter because you already the things people would think and never act on i don't you can, could you imagine yeah oh my gosh it's a strong power to have you know you can see everything see what people are thinking all, all that and there's it, times that yeah and there's times that when you're thinking things you don't want to be thinking you're like well no what am i doing how next yeah 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 no absolutely the thoughts come and go whether that's Whether you act on them or not is a different story. But yeah, thoughts sometimes, you know, it's crazy. He's like, I know he's married, but. But yeah, exactly. And then you're like, oh, what am I thinking? Or you catch yourself. But, you know, in your head, it's a fantasy. I don't know. Yeah. Right. That's it. But like for, for like a telepath, you know, like for her to see somebody to a bedpost, that's. It's like That's nothing. It's nothing. Just, yeah, basically, she's not even faced by it. <laughs> That's just what they managed to do. But right. in their heads, who knows? Yeah. So the we're still in the past. And I guess at the Hellfire Club, Electra comes, finds Emma, and tells her, you know, yo, yeah. a child witnessed me killing people. <laughs> like, what can you do? She wants her to wipe the girl's memory clean. She's like, mm -hmm. this girl saw my, me do my thing. Can you clear her brain? She doesn't have to die. It's like, if you see Electra, you got to die. Yeah. And uh, turns out, the little girl already told her parents. They're on their way. They're in the precinct filing complaints. Kingpin has a hookup. He's got, got bought cops. He's got dirty cops. He's got it all. And... They head to the house like they, Emma and Electra, Electra. beat them by like minutes. They yeah. get there first, and while they're there trying to brainwash the girl, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, that's it. the parents. They did their thing. It's too late. The kingpin knows we gotta get we gotta hide her because Emma mm -hmm. doesn't. Nobody wants to kill this girl. It's like the but, witness protection program. Yeah, so they, <laughs> but the thing like." We needed a distraction because there were too many cops for Electra to deal with alone for Emma to escape with the girl. Like, yeah, complicated. So Emma's like, it's Manhattan. There's got to be somewhere. She kind of like Uber Spider-Man. 
Yeah. He's like, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like four minutes away. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Booked. <laughs> yes. And he's he's wearing his black outfit, so we're in the eighties. This is, this is way back before he goes back to red. And him does that mean he was using does that mean he was using the venom or it was just before, a black suit? Before it was venom, it was a black suit. It was a oh. black suit, it was a symbiote. He wore yeah. it, then then the story became a symbiote. Then he became he got he had the whole relationship with it, and then he broke up with it, and then he got mad and went to Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Complicated mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. So he's doing his thing. He's like, "What? What's happening? I'm helping you kidnap a kid." She's like, "You're, you're causing a distraction. You're helping us escape." Uh, and then about this, it's over. Like this, it didn't happen. Thanks. Bye. But yeah. before that, she like goes into his mind, and she's like, "She's like, why, why are you doing this?" And she's like, "She sees the whole like his life, right? The bad Uncle Ben." Mary Jane, With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, that line, like, yes, like, oh, you're just a boy. Thank you for what you do. Thank like, you for your service. <laughs> and then she she takes the little girl out to the car, a car, I guess. Okay. Right before she gets into the car, someone snaps a picture of her that's, with the girl, yeah. and that's and that's yeah. what the kingpin's got on her Absolutely. right now. That's what yes. he's using against her right yep. now. Yep. So but now we she... shift back to the present. Yes. She she enters London through this uh Krakowing gate that she keeps at the Hellfire Club. Yeah, <laughs> at the London at the London base. Cause you know, London is out, out of the They're not friends with Krakoa right now. Right. So they had to take out all the gates and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so she, she what is she wearing? Tell me tell me that. She didn't she didn't want to stand out. So she wore, so captain. she... she wore captains. <laughs> you wore kitties. And then out of nowhere, she's walking the streets. And no, wait, she she was like trying to deter some police. There were people watching her. Okay. And she, you know, the, when you're watching Emma, she's a telepath. You got to kind of distance, know nothing, and she won't know. You know, she. That's how Kingpin does it. But this, these people, whatever, she's being watched. And they were in a van, and she causes them to <laughs> go into. Like, go take a bath. <laughs> Basically, they drive the van into the the, the river, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, she gets punched in the face. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Freaking Union Jack just, you know, That's punches her. her in the face. Damn. She's Don't. like, "You're gonna hear from my plastic surgeon." Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yes. and before you turn into diamond form, here's some gas. There's some pink know. gas around her. Yeah. And, and then... he writes her. He reads her her rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was just, what she was doing in London was trying to get Isabel, which is a girl who they've been trying to save. Or, or basically, she's alive, right? She's alive. She's in hiding. Yeah. yeah. But Kingpin doesn't know, know, doesn't care. Point is, he's right. got something on her. She was the last person seen with this girl. It was a cold case file with it. You know, they assume she was dead, or maybe he thinks that she was dead. Maybe she, I don't know what this, how complicated the story goes. There's one issue left, and we'll figure it out. But yeah, Isabella is alive. She's living in London. Emma was trying to get a hold of her, and Union Jack punched her in the face. Yep, that's that. Basically, <laughs> that was that. 
I guess that's how they have to first establish a story. That's the first issue. This is what's happening. This is why he's mad. This is why he's trying to blackmail her or get her in trouble. This is why she's getting in trouble. And then the last issue will have the resolution. There you go. Bam. Beginning, middle, and end. There you go. Done. Yeah. Thank you, Phil Noto and Jerry Duggan. Yes. And then we move on to X-Men number nine. Again, Jerry Duggan. CF Vila is the artist and Marte Gracia is the colorist. Yeah, he's been steady, even though Pepe is out taking care of a brand new baby. Yeah. This guy, he kind of unifies, regardless of who the artist is, he brings it together with the color. So he, yeah. they got they got a good thing worked out. Because mm -hmm. even this is the first time this person draws a book, and I think he did a really good job. I liked it a lot. They all, yeah, they all have like a... You know, are they under the, the school of Pepe? <laughs> the Pepe-esque style. Yeah, the Pepe style. Because that other artist that they've been using for X-Men is yeah. very Pepe, you know, yeah. similar similarities. Yeah, no, Pina is really good also. Yeah. Oof. I, I don't even know where to start with this. It's a lot. <laughs> it's heavy. It's heavy. It's... It, it takes place in like four different places, four different stories going on here. Yeah, it's a lot. They the they start out in Phobos, with the. Well, there's a rock versus Krakoa, Phobos and Arako, like these. Mm -hmm. This is the, the three locations. Yeah, they're discussing it's the the at Orcus Council, and in Arako, the round table of I forget what they're called, but the Council of Arako. Yeah, and which and Storm is on both. She's on two. She's on two of them. Yep. But, Anyway, so they're basically discussing war or peace mm -hmm. and how they're going to go about this because Xavier's saying that uh, Orcus knows about the resurrection situation and they want to use that to bring a rift between humans and mutants or mutant in the secret and they're just trying to paint them badly. Like Even, yeah, even to just like reveal it to the world because... You know, it's not no knowledge. The mutants are resurrecting, can't die, whatever. They know because of all the times that the mutants have gone up there. And it's always the same mutants go up there and try to, like, destroy Nimrod. The Orcus base or the Mother that, Mold. That what, what is it called? Could... Nimrod. Yeah. And... Master Mold. Is that the thing that Master creates mold... the Sentinels? Yeah, but not, not anymore right now. They were just trying to stop the creation of Nimrod, and I don't think it worked. No. I mean, he's no. alive and well. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so but the thing is, they tried many, many, many times. Something like nineteen times. They mutant, and they never mm -hmm. came back with uh, anything from their previous experiences. So they don't know like how it's working, but they keep coming back, not knowing what they did the last time. Yeah. Because they couldn't get backed up before they were died. Before they were right. died. <laughs> yes. Just I don't get that. Because if Professor X knows they're being sent on these missions, why can't he? I don't. I don't know how it works. Because why can't he back them up the instant they get killed? If if they're he knows he's sending them to their far. death. Yeah, but it's all happening in space beyond his like immediate reach. Like he's on Earth and they're like by the sun. Can't can't he be on that spaceship with them and and back them up? Listen. Yeah, all right. You know like what? We're good. We're getting yeah. sidetracked. Let me just speak for Xavier. <laughs>
I just have questions of like, why can't they be backed up in the moment, like moments before they're killed? If you know they're going to die. I understand maybe you don't know, but anyway, moving on. Then there's the Orcus Council, right? Phobos. Some revelations are made. I they show the the six petals of Orcus who who's in that council, and Ooh, lo and uh, behold, Alia Gregor. I was just surprised to see Abigail Brand front and center. Well, she oh. killed Henry Gyrick to be. She killed him oh, so the last. She's infiltrating issue. Orcus. Yeah, she did it by killing Gyrick. <laughs> that was the last issue of Sword way in she also destroyed the sword station so i guess they're trusting her for now it's true so there's there were two sword stations right yes one that jamie birthed the <laughs> one that first the one that was made and then the one that jamie made out of his time so is jamie gonna have to birth another sword station <laughs> i don't know if he was in a lot <laughs> So they they name they have four out of the six named. Two are blacked out. I wonder who's gonna be. And the two that are blacked out are under the culture narrative um, heading and the sociology modeling heading. Well, they have Gregor, they have Brand, they have Fei Long, they have Doctor Devo, and Doctor Stasis, and they just went for Modok. So that, oh, be... he'll probably take. Yeah, one of those. So Gregor is research and development. And look at this, this company they got. <laughs> yeah. Brand is infrastructure influence. Fei Long deals with operations and the offense. Stasis is HR. <laughs> I laughed at that. And Devo, the red dot in the middle. So now they is have that the president? I guess he started it with the help of, you know, they don't know, but it was really like a sentinel, but He's the, he's the face. Yeah. So they just recruited, or they tried to recruit Modok. That's what he's made for killing. They need something that kills. He's good. He just made up this uh, virus that makes people violent. They liked it. They won't try it out. He's willing to play. They're yeah, making so... deals. They're making deals. Growing their, growing their power. Yeah, their whole meeting is to break him out. Basically, because last issue he got captured or whatever. The X Men saved a day. And Rod's like, Yeah, I want to meet him. <laughs> this machine that just kills. Yeah. Kill a bunch of people. Just, I, mean, it's, you know, I guess it's people on people violence. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it goes to Araco, right? Yeah. And they're meeting, asking how bored they are. It's yeah. like I we want to go back to Ammon where we're fighting for our lives every minute of the day. Yeah. And they they're trying to take a vote. And Storm is just like, you know, there's plenty of things they're at a stalemate because they at a draw. And Storm is like, Well, I'm I have two votes and I'm voting peace. Okay, thanks, bye. And <laughs> that's squashed. But then to discuss the Red Roof situation because her voice and that is Red Roof and she never came back from Otherworld. She's in a jar because she dropped it and pissed off Jaspers and he put her in a jar and they got to get her out. Yeah, so it's... it's, it's been all this, yeah, it's been some time. 
Storm is trying to see if if they would do a rescue mission, and what is his Tarn. name? Tarn? Is it Tarn? That's like Tarn the Unfair. You got captured. That's your loss. You're, it ain't no rescue yeah, mission. If you can't escape, you're not a, you're not you're not from here. You're, yeah. Right. <laughs> and the Narocco branch just came out of nowhere and banged his head on the table. Slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> so Arako has opinions. <laughs> yes. Yes, but she needs oh, do we assume their gender? Well, yeah. Arako needs a voice. Kind of like how, how Doug is Krokoa's you know, Arako is like, I need my voice back. I think established the bit that Arako's a feminine entity. But what it's a you know it's a it's a mutant island. I don't I don't know about the gender, but for now that yeah they her we'll, we'll figure. It out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but she wants her voice back, and that's right. that. Yeah. She's like, it's been long enough, you guys. I've been waiting for issues, so many issues. There. And then the happiest surprise of all. <laughs> oh, the next, to... the next part of the story. <laughs> called Oblitus. Oh. They're on Oblitus, which is a moon. It's a moon made by like abandoned and stations and basically now space junk. Yeah, basically space junk, all tightly bound into a moon, shaped in a, in a circuit. <laughs> yeah. People hang out there. It's a shady place to go where people hang out. And there's a the dog, the telepathic dog, and his friend Albert the monkey. They're living there now because they used to live on nowhere and that place got sucked into a black hole. Yeah. So they're chilling. And oh my gosh, they're, 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 here they come. Rogue and Gambit show up. From a Krakoa gate, Rogue has some donuts as a peace offering. He tried to get some intel. Remy and... had some wine. He got some bottle. And they were, the, the whole point of them going was to try to find out what this game world is. Smooge, and that's not right. They're gonna smooth talk. They're gonna try to bribe, like be nice, bat some eyelashes, play with, get some information, but it doesn't quite go that way. Because mm. then who's there, Ray? Huh? Who is well, sitting there just chilling? <laughs> they were talking to Albert and and Cosmos, and they're like, Game World. There was another mutant who just that asked the same question. And they're like, oh, the mutant? Who's that? Yeah. And it's freaking Destiny. Destiny is now gallivanting through the universe. Like, she's back to life. This this is a, a little Go off a topic here a little bit. But this is the first time we see Rogue and Destiny interact since Destiny's been brought. And yeah. it was basic. It was nothing. It was like, hey, so we were at a bar. And and then they're gonna fight, and that's it. I I think that Destiny and Rogue needed need something more. This is like, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just I'm biased. I'm a fan, but I, they parted last, doing that Necrosha thing where she was brought back temporarily and then dead again. She got to say goodbye to her, and it was very touching. It was emotion, and she's like the caring parent. Mystique was like the stern. This doesn't cross here so much. But maybe she's no. It was just because... like, yeah. It was just like, oh, hey, like kind of, yeah. No, no well, emotional hug, connection between nothing. them. Yeah, zero, nothing. And I know she's in a new body. 
when she passed originally she was about 80 at least that's kind of how she looked uh, she was drawn and now she's back in her 30 year old somebody and she's living it up and she's in space and she's drinking with the aliens and, and that's good doesn't mean that you can just like it just needs to be something a little love some like, hey how you doing how you been i miss you something But I will what say, she's bringing all the sass. She was taking oh, jabs yes. at Gambit. Oh, <laughs> was she always it, it written was that fun. shady? Was she always no, written that shady? No, no, no. Oh. She was always very serious. This is like all this personality is coming now, like sinister, like all these characters with all this <laughs> this range of personality. It's happening. She was, I guess, stoic. She was just there for a purpose to tell people, you know, what was happening, and that was kind of it. But now she's got range. Now she's got a sense of humor. Now she's got a personality. She's got likes and dislikes. And she dislikes Gambit a whole lot. She's <laughs> adorable, kind of. I mean, it's like that whole the in-law situation. So it's funny how, you know, she's the in-law. And now I have this dynamic of, of her disliking him. It's kind of, it's comical. Yeah, which absolutely. Is... Yeah. Did you read the quote do i do that <laughs> that was funny when he's like hey irene and she's like you know when i learned rogue married <laughs> a bumpkin thief from the bayou i asked them to kill me again oh man he's like it, <laughs> it was a great line yeah <laughs> so, so it's funny so the thing is like She's she's basically saying she already knows the answer. She already knows what's going to happen. But you guys, you got to go through this motion of having this fight. But mm -hmm. they didn't start the fight. How did it right. go down? Yeah, they, they threw the How first punch. <laughs> they walk in. Some guy says to Gambit, I like your coat. And he's like, thanks. And he's like, no, I like your coat. Like, give it to me. And Gambit's like, nope. So then he decks Gambit in the face to take the coat. The last thing you gotta, the last thing you should do is hit Gambit when Rogue is standing right there. Yeah. So that's all. That's all it took, and the bar fight was on. <laughs> yeah. Body slam on the ceiling. That was pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Go ahead, Rogue. Protect your man. Gosh, I wish <laughs> I had somebody like Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Why you you troublemaker? Uh, I mean, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm always a little angel. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> so they're fighting and Destiny's just, like, commenting? Yeah, she's just... She's just... <laughs> right. And she's like, oh, there's something coming on your left, Gambit. Oh, sorry, my, my right. <laughs> just Basically, she just wants him to get hit. It was, yeah. it was cute. Yeah. And then the last bit where she motions like she's choking him and she's like, I hate you. So then but right before that, though, Gambit says to her, the reason she says she hates him is because he does make a comment to her. He's like, we both love her, Irene. But the difference is my love don't come with no strings attached. Oh, <laughs> and oh. that was Southern. That was not even that's my the best Gambit I can do. <laughs> I can't. I yeah. can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's when she's like she pauses for a moment and then she like turns around slowly and she's like shaking her hands at him she's like oh, i hate you <laughs> like, yeah yeah <laughs> it was adorable it yeah was, they needed some attention it was 
kind of about <laughs> destiny, but they were there. Should have been a little more with the with the family reconnecting, but do you think maybe no? This was this the first time Rogue and her see each other? Did it happen behind the scenes? Just off maybe panel? the behind the yeah, but it looks like as far as I've seen, as as far as the viewers have seen, this is it. This is the first interaction they've had since she's came back. Wow, kind of fell yeah. flat. Yeah, meaningless. It was cute. It was funny, but. You know, we're attached. This is a soap. This is our stories. Like you're attached to the, the emotions of these characters, their 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 connections and how much how much they mean to each other and who who plays who, what part in each, whose life. And that's and seeing. And I skip this page. Quiet council vote. I don't know what happened. Something about bishop. <laughs> <laughs> they're voting on the war situation and what to do. And basically, they're not going to go to war because more people voted not to go to war than. People who voted to go to war because a few of them abstained. But like, if Professor X is the one bringing this issue, why did he abstain? I don't understand. I don't either. Just because Destiny is abstained, maybe he's like, she's got to know something because Mystique, Destiny, Xavier, and, and Sinister. Sinister. Sinister abstained just to be like, well, let's see where this goes. He's just having fun. Like, yeah. He's voting to be amused. You know, maybe this will be in that um, Quiet Council book. Yeah, Immortal X-Men. Mm -hmm. But Exodus, Magneto, and Sebastian Shaw, they want to go to war. But, like, bring it, and everybody else is no. And then it brings us to another part of the story, which is Red Root and Storm and Sunfire. So Sunfire, getting the feeling he's going to be leaving the X-Men Maraca team, you think so? He's building a house in Araco. Mm. He's talking about exploring the galaxy because with his powers, he can fly in space with his radioactive planes. And now he's in this home that he's building. He's got this garden. And Araco made a tree sculpture of Red Root. And she's like, I want my girl. I want to bring her back. Like, how many signs do I have to give you, people? <laughs> Here's a sculpture of Red Root. <laughs> and Storm is like, I guess we have a mission. So I guess he's going to go. He's going to be the one going to Otherworld to save Red Root. It's an interesting take. But maybe maybe Firestar's in and he's out. I don't know how they're going to work it. Sink threatened to leave also. So I, we'll see. Except Captain Krakoa told him he couldn't. So Right. Who's Firestar? I'm sorry, Sunfire. Oh, oh. Firestar is another mutant who she has radio. So radioactive fire is Sunfire. Star, <laughs> Firestar is microwave fire. <laughs> it's a different kind of fire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, it was a sweet little moment between Storm and Sunfire. I thought. I mean, I don't. I don't I don't think we see them interact too often. Who? Sunfire and Storm. Oh no, not at all. I mean they joined the team together way back in the That's 19th. what I'm that's what I mean. They had like a long history together in the beginning. Yeah. But he was only in that team for a, a heartbeat. Yeah, he, then he left to Japan. He's like, and, F this. And now he's gonna do the same thing. Oh. He stuck around a little bit longer this time, but uh we'll see. And yeah, next. It says Lady Deathstrike. I 
have they shown anything about her? No, it's been a long time. Let's see. Last thing I remember was she was in a bunch of covers with um doing the whole Silo Canon separation thing, right? I think the last thing I saw with her was like the Messiah complex stuff. I haven't really Oh no. After that, they had this whole bad ladies team. It was like Spiral, Lady Deathstrike. Okay. I don't know. It was like a bad girls club. I just saw covers. I didn't read them. So I, I remember that wasn't too long ago. It was around the time that um, Utopia was happening, I believe. Or right right before that. But been a while. Let's anyway. See. We'll see what she looks like now. Yeah. I'm curious. All right. What she's been at. And that's it for the comics this week. Thank you guys. Till next time. Bye. -bye. Bye.